If my voice sounds a little scratchy today, it's because the ragweed won. <laughs> also, I'm having different contacts for my eye doctor put in every week. So if I stumble, it's not, well, it is my fault. <laughs> Responding to the critic's pen, the composer Gabriel Faure explained, it has been said that my requiem does not express the fear of death. And someone has called it a lullaby of death. But it is thus that I see death as a happy deliverance. Now this wish expresses no suicidal tendencies on the part of the composer. Indeed, he was among the more stable and certainly one of the most reserved composers in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. No lunatic here, Faure treasured life even as he anticipated death. For he advised both students and colleagues alike. The artist should love life and show us that it is beautiful. Without them, we might doubt it. Doubt is not the antithesis of faith. Rather, it is fear. We need the poet and the composer, artists and artisans, to remind us that life can, there cannot be life without loss, and that loss makes the love of life possible. Without a vision, the people perish. We need the visions of artists that create new possibilities and insist on beauty, even in the midst of everyday loss. Many of you have told me about the loss you are grieving for Reverend Kathy. That was an ending some never saw coming. It makes sense to mourn the departure of a beloved minister and friend. We are all learning to live with all our losses, and we seek to make sense of those losses. Endings are almost never easy. But the composer's score and the poet's verse have a beginning, a middle, and an ending. We can flip through the pages and take a look at the back of the book to see where and how it ends. In this sense, we can know the future. But life presents no certainties. Loss looms unexpectedly. We cannot count the number of pages remaining before we lose the people, places, and things we love, before we ourselves are lost to the world. Life does not last. Each day lived acknowledges that we are creeping closer and closer to the final dominant tonic's cadence. The last couplet. La vida es un accidente, pero la muerte no es un accidente, wrote Jose Rostiva. Life is an accident, but death is no accident. And as long as we live in fear, faith itself dies. Leave it to Gary Larson, creator of The Far Side, to figure out that even death fears death. 
The cartoon pictures the death family just sitting down to enjoy their dinner when the doorbell rings. A solitary man waits outside on the front steps. The caption reads, dang, if it doesn't happen every time, we just sit down to dinner and someone's knocking at the door. <laughs> the analogy is plain. We are all knocking on death's door. Life can be a series of losses that culminates in the ultimate loss, the loss of self. We all have a dinner date with death. Only the invitation got lost in the mail. And yet, we will arrive on time for cocktails and stay through dessert. The French writer Dumas fights fire with fire in an attempt to make loss matter. This conversation and commentary comes from his memoirs. My father is dead, I said. What does that mean? That means you won't see him again. But how? I won't see father? No. And why shan't I see him again? Because God has taken him back from you. Forever? Forever. And you say I shan't see him again? Never again. Never? Never again? Never? Never. And where does God live? He lives in the sky. He writes, I remain thoughtful for a while, though such a child and unable to reason. I understood nevertheless that something final had happened in my life. Then seizing the first moment when nobody was paying attention to me, I escaped from my uncle's house and ran straight to my mother's. All of the doors were open. All faces showed distress. Death could be sensed there. I entered without being noticed. I reached a small room where firearms were kept. I looked down the single barrel gun which belonged to my father and which had been promised to me once I grew up. Then, armed with the gun, I went upstairs. On the first floor, I met my mother. She was coming out of the death chamber. She was in tears. Where are you going? She asked, astonished. I'm going to the sky, I answered. What? You are going to the sky? Yes, don't stop me. And what are you going to do in the sky, my poor child? I'm going to kill God, who killed Father. Shaking our fists at the sky, raging with anger, and flailing in bewilderment are not inconsistent with making life matter. Rabbi Harold Kushner has made this searing remark that the loss of his child has made him a better person, a better rabbi, and a wiser and more compassionate man. And he would give it all back in an instant if he could just have his child back. Everyone who walks this earth leaves a trail. Our paths cross and we may brush past each other. We leave traces of influence, of meaning. I can't believe 
and I don't believe that it is important to know what we did for each other or even whom we have gifted. In fact, the powerful magic of life is that we may never know when we touch other people or change their lives. Still, our paths crisscross in patterns of endless possibility as we share the very spark of our lives with one another. Making life matter means asking the right questions. When we lose someone we love, our task is not to ask why the person left us. Instead, we must ask how that person's life had purpose. The purpose is not only intrinsic, but also created. Now make no doubt, I believe each person's life has meaning by virtue of carrying their own divine spark into the world. I'm nobody's mistake, and either are you. The Baal, Baal Shem Tov, the founder of Hasidism, once remarked that there are no doubles. No two people are alike, and purpose follows that same pattern. Your purpose, my purpose, are intrinsic. But spark or no spark, by itself it is bankrupt, especially in the midst of loss. And this is where most orthodox theologies come up short when making life matter. I remember when the state of California was trying to take away our baby, David, who came to us at two and a half weeks old. He, their intent was to bring him back to his family of origin after being with us over six months. They didn't want David until they learned that both adoptive parents were gay. In the midst of my own despair, when it hurts so deep that my legs buckle and my soul freezes over, I don't care what the holy thinks. I find no comfort leaning on the everlasting arms. Like Dumas, I would rather take up arms and put out that spark once and for all. The real work for making life matter tests our rests on our shoulders, or more properly, in our memory. We must know beyond the intrinsic and help create meaning for the lives that have touched us. What we, when we change our lives, because someone else has changed us or moved us, we create meaning for the other person's life as well. The Kotzker Reb saw the duality of both the intrinsic and created purpose and applied it to the notion of the imagio dei. In other words, our own uniqueness comes first. Rather than being created in the deity's image, he believed that we are first created in our own image. Only then do we receive this infusion of the divine spark. We create meaning, purpose, and identity for ourselves, and then we are blessed. 
losses, large or small, drive us to create, even as they remind us that all creation is ephemeral. Rabbi David Wolpe compares the experience of loss to a whole that forms inside of us. The pain of loss lets us bleed through the hole, unleashing things we thought were safely inside. We cry, we regret, but the hole remains. We say things now that we should have said later. Very slowly, scar tissue begins to form around the hole. Agony subsides a little. The hole remains, but instead of allowing only a constant stream of emptying, it begins to permit things to enter. We take some of the love and wisdom that, has, that loss has to give. Now, says Wolpe, is where we can have intent beyond the loss. This is the time to create meaning. In keeping with Wolpe's metaphor of the whole, the void created by loss, I would, add only, I would add only this. Pay attention to what comes into that space. Nothing can make that pain go away. Making loss matter and meaningful is not making loss disappear. The loss endures and even will not change that truth. Nothing will. But now it has some purpose. Mary Moody Emerson, Ralph Waldo's aunt, once told that his nephew, her nephew, always do that which you are afraid to do. Always do that what you are afraid to do. Loss is a constant in life an ever-present reminder that the time is not on our side. The clock is ticking. All loss, especially the ultimate loss of death, tells us more about how to live now than how to die then. Making loss matter means making life fuller. One terminally ill friend of mine put it, I am going to live with the fear and I am going to really live in spite of it. To approach the pain and fear of loss with the insistence that it embodies meaning takes no little faith. It takes faith in the goodness of life. It takes faith in the goodness of the world. The world is to be embraced, ingested, its wonders greedily explored. The variety and depth of the world's offerings are designed to deepen and expand our lives. We must rope ourselves to the world's wonders and feel its losses. For our ultimate purpose in life, in this world, is to grow in body, mind, and spirit and then use that growth to tip an imperfect world toward perfection. We grow through pain as well as joy. 
our pain, out of pain comes the greatest growth because our human resources are most severely taxed. We grow by understanding that avoiding pain is sidestepping growth. We grow when we use our pain for gain rather than for defeat. And the faith that results when spiritual muscles are stretched to the breaking point is said to move mountains. Faith, says Wolpe, is the certainty in something greater than oneself. He goes on, to believe in one's own powers is self-confidence. Faith in yourself only has too small a circumference. Now, I think we can learn from the rabbi's definition if we don't get too hung up on its anti-humanist stance. Even most skeptics agree that what we see is not all there is. Faith is not the knowledge of what the mystery of the universe is, but simply the conviction that there is a mystery. Faith, says sacred text, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There is nothing particularly supernatural about this kind of faith. To be human is to nurture hopes and dreams. When we think about those who have died and try to understand their lives, we are permitting faith to pierce through loss. Faith is not denying that the death was tragic. It insists that it can carry lessons, however, that it can bring meaning into our lives and of those still living. Memory is our best defense against meaninglessness. Now, contrary to youthful opinion, life is not fair. And this incalculable injustice often leads to a crisis of faith. When loss occurs, some of us, at least, respond like the prophet Job. We question why the cosmos let this happen. We ask the universe, why don't you intervene? With childlike insecurity, it seems if, as if we must handle it all by ourselves. If life isn't fair, then the divine isn't fair either. And if there is no justice in the world, then life has no meaning, no purpose. In other words, we may experience a deep loss, for some of us at least. We may lose our faith in faith. But as the, but as the time brings perspective, we soon realize that the idea that this is a fair world and that therefore we are entitled to redress was our idea, not the divine design. We live in a world full of beauty, splendor, strength, majesty, and awe. The task of making it moral falls on you and me. In my own life of love and loss, I have learned that while I cannot count on miracles to help me, I can be miraculous. I can do things to change the world and reshape my own life. Faith teaches me not that life will be easy, but that the difficulties will yield a life of beauty. 
There is a mythical story of a man who looked up to the heavens and shouted, there is so much pain and anguish in the world. Why don't you send help? And a voice answered, I did send help. I sent you. Perhaps Gabriel Faure was right. From death comes life and deliverance. For loss, from loss comes meaning. From fear comes faith. May we sit with ambiguity and not try to avoid it. May we grow from loss and birth new possibilities to the glory of life. Today's offering in its entirety supports our partner in ministry, 